Sign up for the nation news at ronandonradio.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 287 now of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron. I'm Don. And we are live once again from the Les Schwab Studio. What is up, Ron and Don Mason? Yeah. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, this is incredible to me. Jimmy Carter, who is the only president we've ever interviewed, uh, he has now been married to his wife for 75 years. They've been married, both in their 90s now, and there's something that they do every day that freaked me out. It just freaks me out that they do this, and I don't know if I could do it. It takes a lot of courage to do it, and I'm going to share it with you and share it with Ron, and maybe I should start doing this. And maybe I'll live to be 96, too. Sometimes I see people in 96, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> That's a fair point. I have too much ego. To I've heard those stories like, 120 is the new 100. I was like, do I want to live to be 120? It's like my Uncle George said, when my teeth are gone, I'm gone. He was down to three teeth. He was eating soup. He was 93. He checked out with three teeth. So that was it. And uh, he wasn't into false teeth. He's just like, I'm down to three teeth. I'm a soup eater. So uh, anyway. Uh, also, uh, we're going to talk about the fact that a lot of us during the heat dome here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, we just roasted, right? Sitting in my house right now, though, it's 64 degrees. How does it feel to you in here? It feels great. Yeah. It was interesting. I had a technician come over today because uh, he had to work on my AC unit because we went through so much AC fluid, so he had to give it a boost in case we hit another heat dome. He shared some things with me that are really interesting about some of the homes that are being built around the Pacific Northwest. There's also something that you may be able to do specifically – uh, and I'm not talking about getting a bowl of ice like Ron did and sticking a fan on it. That did not work very well. Evidently, you said that didn't work. Uh, there's some things that you can do for the upcoming heat dome because they said now with global warming, uh, this is going to be a regular thing. We're going to have some Arizona temperatures visit the Pacific Northwest, they think now, each and every summer. How about that, you guys? Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I don't know how they come up with these statistics, and I don't know if they, I believe them because they kept saying – Wow, we are so productive working at home. We're all going to stay at home. We're getting so much done working at home. Productivity, unbelievable working at home. People happier working at home. You're around your partner working at home. You're at the kids at home. You're working out at home. All this stuff we were doing during the pandemic, we're at home. Now they're saying, horrible. They're saying that 45% of all employers out there right now are saying, our employees did a horrible job working from home. Get your hair in the car and get back to work. And if you've been driving around the Pacific Northwest, specifically Seattle, Tacoma, up to the Everett area and over to the east side, over in places like Kirkland, Bellevue, Sammamish, you know what I'm talking about. The roads right now are more jammed than they've ever been. You could tell a lot more people moved here during the pandemic. Our parks are full, our roads are full, the interstates are full, the buses are filling up, the trains are filling up. What is going on here, Ron? It seems like all the employers now are saying, get your butt back to work because you didn't get anything done during the pandemic. Where do you where do you where do you land? These studies again, it depends. It depends. 
So if you're, let's say you write code for a living, you're a software guy. Well, that's pretty easy to uh, look at productivity because you can say, all right, Don O'Neill wrote this amount of code in 2019. And then in 2020, he wrote this amount of code uh, or he wrote, you know, he had a, this many projects that year, this many projects the next year. So that's easy to do. I want to, I just, I'm going to self-report here. Don O'Neill did not write any code in 2019 in 2020, he didn't write any code. And in 2021, Don O'Neill still did not write code. G O'Neill, G Force O'Neill. Your productivity has stayed G. the same then. G Force O'Neill in 2021, at the age of 10, now 11, did write code, did learn to play the trumpet, and also uh, is now an official diver. And he's also at a camp right now. He's not very happy with me because he's at a camp where he has to dance. And do jazz hands, and he is pissed. He is so... I would be mad, too. We're going to go boating with our friend Laura Miller, the great commercial real estate agent, on Friday. Uh, G's going to come along. Like I know you're going to ask him about the dancing and jazz hands. Be gentle with him. Don't make him cry. All right, I won't. Uh, but, but, so your but son's I, probably... But I still encourage you to ask him about it, but in a very gentle way, because I know you're not... I know Mr. Ron is not going to be able to help himself. Your uh, son's productivity has skyrocketed during yes. COVID. Your productivity has stayed the same. Yeah. So the, these productivity things are... are if you go back and you look at sociology and you read all the studies, the big thing in the Industrial Revolution is any change produced an increase in productivity. So uh, they used to do this on, on uh, assembly lines. You're on an assembly line and you turn on some music, productivity would go up. Then you turned off the music, productivity would go up. You turn the lights up, productivity would go up. Turn on Captain Tennille, productivity way down. Way down. Yeah. And so the theory at the time... Village people, productivity way up. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the theory at the time was any change made employees feel like their boss was paying attention. 1920s, man. That assembly line building uh, B-29 bombers later on during World War II... People love YMCA by the village people. They would stop on the line and they do the Y, the M, the C, the A. The we, we've just lost you, haven't we? <laughs> Final show of the week. This reminds me of a Friday show for 15 oh, years. Yeah. So, uh, but the study out of Iceland, what did you make of that one? Where it said they, they experimented with a four-day work week. Yeah. And they said that they uh, did not see a decline at all. Yep. I agree. All right. That's we'll see you on the other side of this. <laughs> when it comes to your real estate journey, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, I'm Dan Martin. Hey, I'm Connor. My son wanted to get out of Pullman, and he was thinking, well, where could I live where I could be close to a ski area? I thought, well, let's start looking in Seattle. And it grown to trust the image of Ron and Don, you know, doing their, their advocacy for all the charities and stuff that they do. And I thought, well, they seem like good guys. Let's go for it. So I've got two Alaskan Malamutes. I was surprised how quickly, especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what I was looking for. And being that it was a house for me and the dogs, that they zeroed in on fenced yard, basement access if possible. It felt really good knowing that they were looking for what I was looking for or what we were looking for. We looked at our figures and looked at, at stuff. We thought, okay, we can afford to offer this amount. And we were way low. 
So when it came to this one, Ron and Don said, if we go in hot with a decent offer, and he learned that this house had an offer on it, he said, if we go in at this amount, we think we can jump ahead and have people close before uh, they intended to. And sure enough, it worked out. I don't think we would have like necessarily found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without, a, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. We wouldn't have gotten this house if they hadn't shown the energy and I guess using their skills and everything to make it happen. It wouldn't have happened. We would have still been looking around and every weekend being underbid. They seemed very enthused for uh, you know a deal to get done and for us to be successful. That felt really good. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward and uh, you know, I definitely would recommend them. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, it's GeForce O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. All right, you guys, welcome back to Ron and Don Show. As you just heard, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. Uh, if you need us, just reach out, ronanddonsitdown.com. The thing we love about selling homes is that we know a lot about homes. The reason we know a lot about homes, we do a lot, our, a lot of our own project. In fact, Ron's pretty good with a saw and a hammer and a drill, and I'm pretty good at destroying things. So, you are. You're very good at destroying things. Anyway, there's a story out that says, uh, and, it, it, and, and this is really interesting to me because we just had this heat dome in the Pacific Northwest. They say we're going to have more of this. And like my neighbors up the street, they just sold a little craftsman house that you could buy in most of the craftsmen around here you could buy in the in the sears catalog in the night in the early 1900s and they have a little craftsman house that was purchased in a sears catalog for thirty five hundred dollars they just sold it for 1.55 million dollars 1.5 and, the, and there's about 1260 feet of livable space and the rest of its basement right so people are paying uh, an incredible amount of money for a little house like that on queen anne and the thing is they baked. They baked during the heat dome. If they would have tried to sell that house during the heat dome, no one would have bought it. In fact, you and I sold Paul Arnold's house. He's the coach of Cleveland. We sold his house during the heat dome, but that's because his house in Renton had AC, and everybody that went in that house loved that. I love the house. I thought about buying the house. I never wanted to live in Renton. I'm like, oh my god, the AC in here. Yeah, this I may live. In, I may. I may buy my a Paul Arnold's house just so I can uh, experience this AC. So I did an experiment one day because I read this story about building differently and not just building green. Uh, but building in such a way that our homes can can become cooling machines without actually having a seat. I talked to a gentleman the other day that works on some of my projects, and then I also talked to a technician today from Seatown uh, Electric Heating and Air. His name is Colton. And I said, Colton, when you're out servicing a lot of new homes, how many people now do you see putting in big furnaces with lots of ductwork? and AC units and, and and heat, like I have in this house right here, he said, we don't see that at all. He said, what what they see is what I have out in my dad do, which is basically a heat pump and then just mini splits in those rooms where you want to have heat and you want to have AC. He said, that's what everybody wants. That's what everybody's asking for. And what's really cool is in some of these basement areas, you can get the basement back because you can tear out all the ductwork from the furnace. You can put in those splits. And in these really small basements, 
a lot of times you're hitting your head not on the ceiling but on the ductwork. So you can pull that ductwork out. You don't have to dig the basement out, and you can reclaim the basement as really great usable space. So the interesting thing about my house, I dug a basement out down there. I have a young lady uh, who is here from Ohio right now. It's an Airbnb. And even when it's a heat dome, that down there was 72 degrees because it, it sunk down in the earth. And there is no AC down there. She had a couple fans. I asked her if she needed another one. She said no. So she was down there, and she's doing great. One of my other homes, a craftsman house, those guys were baking. It was 115 degrees inside. And that's why I had all those Lasco air circulator fans that I was dropping off. 115 degrees. And it's because in a lot of these old homes, especially when you get up in the rafters of these old homes, the insulation that they put in, most of it, and we saw this when you demoed a house with me in the U District, a lot of that insulation is just disintegrated. And it's just dust. When you pull those ceilings out, just this black dust rains rains down on you because that insulation is, is None of that insulation was blown in, and none of that insulation uh, uh, functions the, or works anymore. The other thing that, that Seattle and the Pacific Northwest is up against uh, in terms of this article you sent me, which is about some sort of passive technologies uh, of, of orienting your house and, and avoiding solar energy, et cetera, is, is we're all oriented towards mountains and, and water and not towards the sun. So if you were, in other words, if we're in New Mexico or Arizona or whatever, you can go to neighborhoods where it's like they pay attention to like the path of the sun mm-hmm. and, and they orient the buildings to what's going to be good for energy usage. We don't do that here. We are, it's like, oh, there's the water. I want to face there. Yeah. You, 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 you don't really care about the path of the sun because it was relatively infrequent for up until recently. And so we're there. There's nothing we can do about that now necessarily. But if you're in parts of California, parts of Arizona, parts of Utah, or whatever, you will see porches and overhangs and building orientations that are built specifically to do what you're talking about. To say warm in the winter, cold in the summer, just based on where the sun is. We that that hasn't really caught on in the, in the Pacific Northwest until recently. Now you're starting to see it where maybe you'll have a giant cement wall with very few windows that's in the path of the sun for the winter, and that passively heats the house. In the summertime, though, it's in shade, so it's passively cooling the house. Like, that's a very simple example. But up up until the last five years or so, that was just unheard of in this area. Yeah, and to your point, they talk about if, 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 if you don't have the money uh, – but you're building a new structure. And you'd think if you were building a new structure that you would have the money to put in a mini split. But let's say that you had the money to buy a new house but not put in the $25,000, $35,000 mini split. Uh, they encourage you to really pay attention. And, and this is something that I did in the, in the house that we're sitting in right now that I built three years ago. Really pay attention to the insulation that you're putting in. Uh, most homes don't have insulation in the walls. So putting insulation and sometimes triple insulation, sheet insulation in the walls, and then not only blowing insulation along the trusses uh, in the ceiling, but then overlaying that insulation with rolls of insulation and paying attention to the R rating on that insulation, which I've done in this house. What was really interesting is one day during the heat dome, I wanted to see how this house would perform. So in the morning, I got up. It was probably 4.30. In fact, I looked the night before, and it said it had, it had been 108 the day before. 
and it said at 4.30 in the morning, it would be 66 degrees. And so I got up 4.30 in the morning. I opened up all the windows in this house, and I opened up all the sliders downstairs, and I got the the house cooled down. And it, I didn't get it. I, I think I got the house cooled down to, to 71 degrees. And then it started heating up again because there's another day of heat. And I went and I shut all the windows. Uh, and they they're talking about uh, 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 triple pane windows now. So I shut all the windows and I shaded the whole house. And then I just wanted to see how long the, the house could last and how long I could stay in the 70s and the 80s without turning on the air conditioner. What do you, what do you, what do you think happened? And that day, I think it went up to 104. Uh, I'm going to say by 11 a.m. you were in, in 85. No. I went all day long, and by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it was, it was just 82 degrees in the house. Should have come over to my place. It was 97. <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned the AC on and cooled it back down to 68. <laughs> Hi, this is Therese, the new buyer specialist for all of you in the Ronadon Nation. If you're going to win a house in such a competitive market, you better have a good strategist. And that's what I specialize in. When you're ready to sit down with us, go to ronadonsitdown.com. And now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back. Uh, episode 287 of the Ron and Don Show. Uh, over the course of our radio careers, we had an opportunity to interview people that were really awesome. And I have to say on the whole, sometimes you, early on in our radio careers, we expected celebrities to be jerks and her, her. Most of the time, they're not. Uh, most, And this is even before social media. Most of the time, they're pretty spectacular. I don't think anyone was more spectacular, though, than Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter's in the news with his wife. They're celebrating 75 years. I believe she's 93 now. He's 96, about to turn 97. She, her health is, she, she's, she's, she's become very frail, Rosalind Carter has. And so is Jimmy at this point, and we know that he's fought all different types of cancer. Including brain cancer. Yeah, but he just won't die. He's really incredible. He's taught this Sunday school class forever. I don't think he's teaching that anymore. They still live in the same house in Plains, Georgia. I didn't realize that they have known each other since they were like two and three years old. Can you know someone when you're two and three years old? That's how long they've known each other. And then he went on to go to Annapolis. And he said early on, and I think a lot of this had to do with his church upbringing and being evangelical, uh, his wife was kind of, he just kind of told her what to do. And and Rosin got to the point where she got a little older and she just wasn't going to put up with it anymore. Uh, and in fact, they were moving and he had called her and said, Hey, cause I think he was in the Navy for 10 years. And he said, Hey, uh, we're moving, pack up all my stuff. And she's like, you know what? Pack up all your own stuff. And that had changed the relationship. And so much so that Jimmy Carter, when he was in the white house and Rosalind Carter, when she was in the white house in the seventies, she re- re- really revolutionized who the first lady was. We look back, we think about all the great quotes from Eleanor Roosevelt. All the things that Eleanor Roosevelt was saying, we found out how great they were after Eleanor Roosevelt was de- was dead and after she passed on, because we look at a lot of her writings. But 
Eleanor Roosevelt was not given a voice. And in fact, her husband most of the time wasn't even at the White House because he was her, 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 with, yeah, with his mistress, right? Wow, a lot of sound effects there. Yeah. So, 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 so anyway, it's Rosalind Carter that revolutionized what we see in the White House now with the First Lady where it's really a job. It's an incredible platform. And along with that is a lot of responsibility and along with that responsibility, a real opportunity to do some really cool things uh, in the world. Can I just say my sidebar, my favorite story of Jimmy Carter in the White House? That's what I, yeah, I was, you, we, you had an opportunity to interview him. I think it's one of our favorite pictures, one of our favorite interviews. And then I want to talk about something that he and Rosalind do each and every day to kind of close the show out today. But uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about, about, about Jimmy Carter, because I know, I know. I think he gets a bad rap historically. Like there were, he was a one-term president. A lot of it, it was, stag- was, it was not his of, fault. It was because of stagflation. Got, yeah, you he, had the incredible gas shortage. You had um, him trying to get the hostages out of Iran, which he he, could, he botched that. Like he was the the, the uh, commander in chief. That was a mission that was not successful. So that lays at his doorstep. But I you know what? That's why we have the seal. They didn't have a seal team then. That's right. why because of what happened. That's why the military invented SEAL teams as a result of that. And they said, this is never going to happen again. So America got better as a result of trying to get those hostages but you, out. you do lay that at his the foot of his desk. I, and, and you know what? Uh, and he writes about it, and he takes total responsibility for and it. So, so. Like, but, but I think his foreign policy was second to none. Uh, he is the smartest guy in the room probably to this day. But my favorite anecdote about him was uh, he knew that he wanted to do Habitat for Humanity uh, as his post-presidency life, and he knew he was going to be traveling uh, a a lot to poor countries and helping them do this. So he wanted to practice his Spanish. He would go down. Was it a barber? Yeah. I think it was a barber. barber in the White House. And the White House was fluent in Spanish. The President of the United States, after the business day closed and he had dinner, would go down to the barber in his Georgia accent and practice Spanish. He shared that with us when we interviewed him at at Cairo. That was my favorite thing, just because I can't imagine how badly his Spanish accent had to be. And you know this barber was just probably very gracious to the president, the sitting president, learning Spanish in his downtime at the White House. Uh, I I just I love the guy, and I think that he... um, has done more than any other former president to help the world than uh, I don't think any former president has done what he has done. Like Habitat for Humanity, um, brokering elections around the world to give free and fair elections in parts of the country that never had that. He has a whole thing that he invented uh, to when you see people that dip their finger in ink in a, in, a, in a country around the world that says I voted like most of the time, Jimmy Carter and his organizations would go in and monitor those elections. Uh, I, I think he's just, he's an exceptional human being. What about what Richard Nixon did in his, his post? I, I think Richard, Richard Nixon, if you take, I'm not going to defend Richard. It was, was a crazy racist. He was what a crazy else? racist. What else? What else? Yeah. 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 The, the, the more tapes come out, it's like, really <laughs> you and Jay Edgar. Come on, man. <laughs> So what is he? What are they doing it in their nineties now? They go out. They are they they still live on the same peanut farm, and the only reason that that peanut farm has been modified is so the Secret Service have a place to sleep. Do they charge him ten thousand dollars a night? I saw that President Trump was charging the Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago ten thousand six hundred dollars a month, but that seems pretty cheap to me. 
for a, for a room. I think I think they're getting a discount. I love the fact that he puts out a velvet red lo- rope at Mar-a-Lago, and then he comes out with Melania when when they're still right seen together, right? Because uh, they slept together in the same bed at the White House. They weren't even on the same floor. Anyway, she was on the Hillary Clinton floor. Uh, so along with that, they they come out and he gets a standing ovation. And then he sits down and he eats eats in front of everyone behind Which, the velvet rope. Yeah, like people pay to go stand in this room. I, I love it. I think it I think it's fantastic. With 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 and, and, and then while the bodies were still buried in Florida, he still had his. Back, had, back to Jimmy and Rosalind. What are they doing on the peanut farm? He's still. You're he, all over the map, O'Neill. Bring still, this one home. He still had his. Land this plane, O'Neill. He still had his rally. Anyway, they they go out to where they're going to be buried every day, and they drink a cup of coffee, and they just kind of reminisce about their lives and how great it's been. And they don't know which one's going to go first, but they're ju- they're at a point in their lives where they're ju- they're just ready to go. And uh, I think it takes an incredible amount of fortitude and an incredible amount of faith to get to the point in your life where you go out and you sit in a chair and you have a cup of coffee with the person you love and care about knowing that your minutes and moments are going to be up very, very soon. And, and you've accepted the fact that death is part of the life cycle and, and you go out. I, I don't, cause, cause you and I were talking the other day about, I don't want to be a burden to my son or my family when I die. So I'm trying to figure out like it's in my will, but now I like, I financially uh, am setting money aside to, to make sure that that's taken care of. Cause see my mom going through some things right now. And it, it it's like, that's where they're going to be buried. That's the plot. Hey, Ross, and they go out and they, yeah, and they throw, they, they throw out a lawn chair and they sit there and they have a cup of coffee and they just, they, they sit there by the burial plots. I, I don't know. I don't know that I could do that. So I couldn't either. But uh, probably I would say top three interviews for us of our entire career was Jimmy Carter was right there. In Who's the, the other two? I'd say Garth Brooks was uh, number two, and then when Howie Long ch- his chair broke <laughs> because our producer put a broken chair under him, and he threw his back out. And he threw his. Those he, were probably and he kept doing the interview from the floor with his back thrown out. I would say those just off the top of my head. Or what about your top three? That's it. Okay, those are my three. <laughs> hey, you guys, thanks for giving us great lives. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Thanks for putting up with us. Thanks for listening to me talk about my son. Because sometimes I go back and I listen, like, oh god, he's not going to talk about his. You're the Kathy Lee Gifford of radio. Oh my god, he's not going to talk about Charlie the dog again, is he? And then sure as the heck I do. Yeah, you can't help yourself. Yeah, so I'm, I'm. Sometimes I cannot listen to myself. <laughs> keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. If you need us, go to ronandonsitdown.com and uh, we'll sit down with you today. All right? Yeah. This is the Ron and Don Show. Do you want to say it? Only. Only! I just said it. On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.